0: Good morning. I hope that you've enjoyed the goodness of Jesus as we've gone through the weekend. I know I certainly am satisfied in my Savior and uh, his grace. I would like for you to turn with me to Galatians. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. You know, after the Apostle Paul had planted a cluster of new churches in the region of Galatia, some legalists infiltrated the fellowships, and they began to teach faith in Christ plus obedience to Old Testament rituals, Old Testament laws, and all of these things. Anytime you're adding to anything, say faith in Christ plus anything else, suddenly you're drifting away from the basics of the gospel. So Paul writes Galatians to defend the truth of the gospel, what is the truth of the gospel? How can you and I enter into God's family? How can we have assurance that we'll go to heaven when we die? How can we have the Lord's presence in our lives to help us on a daily basis? All of these things are found by simply turning in repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, what He did for us on the cross, and like we were singing earlier, He rose from the dead. So wonderful things. If you have your uh, Bible open, I just want to share with you two verses by way of background. Galatians chapter 2, not chapter 1 where we're going to be today, but Galatians 2 verses 4 and 5 sets for us the historical context. When he wrote Galatians, when the Holy Spirit was inspiring the Apostle Paul to write Galatians, what were they going through? What was he trying to, you know, do as he was writing that? What was he trying to get across? Galatians 2, verses four and five makes it so clear. It says, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth, of the gospel might be preserved for you. That's what he was trying to do. Freedom in Christ was at stake. These legalists, these they called them Judaizers, they were not after freedom. They were after bondage. You know, back in the early 80s, I remember um, I was a uh, Seminary student at Southwestern Seminary. Now, I realize some of you weren't even born in the 80s, so just trust me on this. This is historical. <laughs> but anyway, there was a Cuban-backed communist overthrow of the government of Grenada. And so they installed a totalitarian government. It was like a dictatorship. They enacted martial law, and instantly the people of Grenada lost all their freedoms, like overnight. But there were 100 people that said, wait, we're free this shouldn't happen here." And so they were dissenters. Of those 150 were children. Well, those 100 were marched into the capital of St. George and they said, we never saw them again. We don't know what happened. They just vanished. A local pastor witnessed the tragic event and he said he was certain that they were killed maybe under cover of night and that their bodies were dumped into the sea. Well, once the other island nations in the Caribbean heard about it, they cried out to the United States. They said, please help us. Please help what's going on. President Reagan looked into it and he found out that there were 600 U.S. students there in Grenada in a medical school. And so he was concerned for their safety and for freedom for that whole area. So on October 25th, 1983, the U.S. military plus a coalition force from six other Caribbean nations, began something called Operation Urgent Fury. Now, I'm not here to talk about military things or anything like that, but what I want to say is there's something similar that was going on in Galatia, only it was a spiritual freedom that was at stake. And so it's like the Apostle Paul was feeling something very similar. You know, Jesus had to speak up for spiritual freedom during his day, You know, uh, Jesus conducted a similar rescue operation from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of law, you know, legalism and so forth. Jesus entered into a truth war with the legalists in his day. And he said to the Pharisees, there's only one way to spiritual freedom. If today you feel like, what am I ever going to do with a condemnation over my own sin? It feels like sin just bullies me and pushes me around. Well, Jesus said to them in John 8, 32, and then in verse 36, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. There's only only one way to spiritual freedom. It's the gospel. It's putting your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. So now here's Paul fighting the same kind of battle, again, because the works of the law only leads not to spiritual freedom, but to more bondage where we feel like, man, the law's there to show us our sin. So it's not going to free us like Christ can. So like the rescue in Grenada, Paul was responding with urgent fury, but for spiritual freedom rather than political freedom. There are two examples that Paul gives in the letter of his conviction of the value of liberty that is found only in Jesus Christ. One I read a while ago in Galatians 2, four. yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ so that they might bring us into slavery. So he's saying we have freedom in Christ, but there are some that don't like that. And so in Galatians 5.1, later, much later down the road, we're gonna see where he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery." So you see what he's facing? Do you see what he's trying to write about? I want you to understand the context. I want you to understand the the main theme of the Gospel uh, and of the Galatians, the letter to the Galatians. So today we're gonna focus only on the first five verses. It's uh, like a salutation. It's a prologue or a beginning. And in, that, in this prologue, what you're going to hear, the Apostle Paul is going to establish his own authority as a true apostle. He's going to explain the simplicity of the true gospel. And then he's going to exalt with clarity the true and the living God. So I want you to listen today as the Holy Spirit gives Paul these words The apostle Paul writes them down, and now we can read them together. Would you stand in honor of God's word? Let me read this, and then I'll ask God to speak to us through the message. It says in verse 1 of Galatians 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is living and active. Your word will not return to you void. It will accomplish what you send it forth to accomplish. So this morning, Lord, all of us, we gather together at your feet, and we just simply say, speak to us. What do you want us to learn today from these first five verses? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as Paul begins his defense of the truth of the gospel, he first addresses the authority beneath the truth of the gospel, the authority beneath The truth of the gospel. I think you can find this in verse 1. Marvin Rosenthal reminds us when Paul was writing this letter right here, there was no New Testament. Isn't it nice that we have a copy of God's Word? I hope you read it every day. I look forward every morning to spending time in God's Word. But you know, they didn't have this like we do. It was still in the process of being written, the New Testament, that is. And so, what were they going to look to for authority? How would they know who can tell them the truth about Jesus? The apostles. The apostles were those men that, God had, that Jesus had called to walk alongside of him. For three years, they were with him, they watched him, they heard him, they were changed by him. But then, out of the blue, he calls another man named Paul, and he's on the road to Damascus, and he changes his life. And so that's why he begins here in verse one, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men. Isn't it interesting that he's saying not uh, from men, not an institution. So there's no institution that said, you know, Paul, you can come here and we'll make you a man of God. No, nope. no institution of men and no individual man. He says, nor through man. There wasn't just one man who said, you know, I think you ought to be an apostle. No, it was a direct calling from Jesus Christ for Paul to be an apostle. So I want you to notice first the recruitment by Jesus Christ. You see, Paul would say, if you were gonna interview Paul, and you were gonna say, how dare you say you're gonna be an apostle? Paul would say, "I I didn't politic for this. I didn't volunteer. I didn't choose this. The Lord came to me and He interrupted my life and said, this is the direction. You're on the wrong road. I want you to be on this road. Do you know that in 1 Corinthians one, 1 2 Corinthians one, 1 Ephesians one, 1 Colossians 1.1, 1, 1, four times, every time he says Paul, an apostle, you know what he also includes? Not here, but, but those other four times. He always says, by the will of God, by the will of God, by the will of God. So it was what he understood to be God's choice, God's will for his life. That was the recruitment by Jesus Christ. But notice also that the revelation that he's gonna give us, what about if you write a letter? What about if I write a letter? Would our letter have the same weight as the letter to the Galatians? No, it wouldn't because this revelation came from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was giving these words to the apostle Paul. He received the revelation of Jesus through Jesus. It was all about Jesus. That's what the gospel is. Next, Paul defends the truth of the gospel by pointing to his relationships. He mentions, I believe, his associates with the truth of the gospel. Is this just one man? Just the apostle Paul? Is he all by himself? So here we are in 2021, Are we just listening to one man and there's no one else that believed the gospel? No one else has been changed by the gospel? No, no. I wanna ask you a question. How do you know what to trust in life? How do you know who to trust in life? You know, which message really produced good fruit back then? Think about this in terms of trust. Which one do you think comes first? Is trust built on truth? Or is truth built on trust? Which one do you think it is? You know, I think for the Apostle Paul, what he's trying to say is, trust me what I'm saying, because it's built on truth. Truth is the foundation. That's why I'm saying you can trust me. And the first reason he says you can trust me is because of what he went through. You know, back then, a Jew and a Gentile, they wouldn't sit down together and eat a meal together. They wouldn't go over to one another's houses back then. So how are you going to get Jews and Gentiles to come together as one? The gospel, the gospel. You see, they say the gospel, the the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he died with his arms wide open because he wants people of every race, people of any gender, of any status, any occupation, no matter what you're doing in life, the Lord wants you to come into his family. He wants you to experience salvation. Your life can be changed. Ephesians 2 says that what Jesus did, he broke down walls that were between Jew and Gentile. So only the gospel can bring people together that wouldn't normally hang out together. Rich and poor, country, city, it doesn't matter. God can bring people together as they put their faith and trust in Christ. And where does he bring them together? in local churches. Did you notice to the churches of Galatia? Do you know that churches, this is biblical, to have a local church. They had local churches. Whenever there were disciples that were made, how would those disciples grow out there by themselves? They gathered them together in New Testament churches, just like ours where we can grow together. And after this service, we're gonna have Bible study. You're welcome if you've never tried attending one of our Bible study fellowships. I pray that you will. We call it Sunday school, but we've got it for all ages, for your children, for students, for any age group. But find one where you feel that you connect and you can match. But I just want you to see that these are churches, plural. There wasn't just one church in Galatia, there were churches, this is plural. But that's because there was Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derbe. And what Paul is basically saying to the Galatians is, he's saying, you know me, right? You know me, I brought the gospel to you. I know you and you know me. How do you know who to trust? Well, isn't it through relationships and associations? Well, let's move to another key point in his defense of the truth of the gospel The false teachers were complicating the simple message of the gospel. They were making it so hard. And so Paul says, you know what? We need to go back to the basics. So he says, let me just one more time announce, even right here at the beginning, what are the basics of the gospel? And so remember, twice in John 8, 32 and 36, Jesus talked about set you free, set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He who the sun sets free, it's free indeed. Twice, he says, "Set you free. What sets you free? You're about to hear the timeless message of the gospel as Paul writes it. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Let's just pause right there. Think about those, those concepts that we heard. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. I was thinking about how that's the cause and that's the effect, the cause and effect. You see, grace brings salvation to us. And once we experience it and taste it, we have peace between us and God. Because before we trust Christ, we're at enmity with God. There's a war going on and we're rebelling and resisting God. But whenever we really embrace grace, guess what happens? We stop start, we start play, playing those drums, those war drums. We put them down and we say, you mean I can be at peace with God, the Lord who knows everything? But notice how this happened. How did we ever see grace come into our lives? What caused this? His voluntary sacrifice. It says, who gave himself, who gave himself, Do you know that nobody took Jesus? It wasn't like the Romans put him to death and he didn't want to go there, or the Jews, they falsely accused him of stuff, so they put him, no. He voluntarily laid down his life for you and for me, which leads me not only to the voluntary sacrifice, but to one more thing that's very important, the substitution, the substitution, the vicarious substitution of Christ. Notice what it says here in this very beginning. He gave himself for our sins. Do you know who should have been on the cross? Me. I should have paid the price for my sins. That's why I'm so grateful for the grace that came through Christ when he voluntarily laid down his life. But do you know that because he did that, I'm not at war with God anymore and he's not at war with me. Do you know that I have peace through the vicarious substitute of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, once I was a rebel, but I'm not a rebel anymore because Jesus has changed me from the inside out. And so now it's no wonder he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father to me talks about that grace. It talks about us coming into his family, but Lord talks about me saying, you know what? If he did that much for me, I wanna follow him in obedience the rest of my life. We've looked at uh, these different parts of the defense of the truth of the gospel. He's passionate about it. He wants them to understand the authority that is beneath the truth of the gospel. He wants them to understand these others, these associates with the truth of the gospel. He wants them to understand what is the gospel. So he announces it one more time But let me close with this fourth and final point. The aim of the truth of the gospel. What is it really all about? Remember the verse we read at the beginning? What was it about for the legalists? Well, for the legalists, it was all about bondage. But the aim of the gospel is opposite. The aim of the gospel is all about spiritual freedom to help you not be under the condemnation of your sins. You can be free of that. You know, uh, Romans 8.1 says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But you know what? The opposite is also true. There is condemnation to those who are not in Christ Jesus. So all you've got to do is say, I need to get in Christ Jesus. I need to receive him as my Lord and as my Savior. I need to trust him. And so all of that being said, what is the, what's the target? Why is he setting us free? Well, let me give you three targets that I believe the gospel is pointing every Christian, every disciple toward. First, liberty from the fallen ways of the world. Liberty from the fallen ways of the world. Let's read on here. He says, who gave himself for our sins. Why? To deliver us from the present evil age. To deliver us from the present evil age. You know the word deliver? You know what it means? Rescue. Rescue! This was a rescue operation. When the Lord is perfect looks down here at me and he sees me struggling and I want to do the right thing, but I can't do the right thing. I always wind up doing the wrong thing. And so Jesus says, I can help you with that. I can give you strength that you don't have in the flesh. And so he comes to rescue me. He comes to set me free from the fallen ways of the world. You know, the bondage only comes from the sin nature and from us listening to others in the world that also have a sin nature. But you know, in Galatians 6, 14, we're gonna hear Paul say, you know what? I'm crucified to the world and the world's crucified to me. So what he's saying is, I'm free. I don't have to do what the world says anymore. And I can do what the Lord wants me to do, I'm free. So liberty from the fallen ways of the world, that's one target. A second target would be fidelity. Fidelity to the perfect will of the Father. He says here, to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Why have we been set free? We're set free so we can live according to God's plan. God's got higher ways. God's got a better life for you and a better life for me. And so what I realized In 1979 was I realized I want that better life. I'm tired of my own ways. I'm tired of doing what the world wants. I want to follow what you want, God. So fidelity to the perfect will of the Father is the second of the targets. That's what God wanted for Paul, right? He's on the road to Damascus. And God says, I don't want you on the road to Damascus. I want you on the road to discipleship. I want you to follow me. And Paul said, I didn't even know You were real, and so he started following him. Fidelity to the perfect will of the Father, I believe that's a target, but let me give you one last one to close it out. Glory in grateful worship of the Father. Glory in grateful worship of the Father. You know, if you were to look over in Galatians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, you would see that the aim of the Judaizers, the aim of the legalists was not the glory of the Father, no. So whose glory were they wanting? Well, verse 12 and 13 says of Galatians 6, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Now, you contrast that with the aim of the Apostle Paul, the aim of the gospel, the aim of Galatians, the aim that God has for your life and my life. What is it? Verse five, to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. God wants you to live for his glory. God wants you to say, you know, I want my whole life while I'm at work, you know, we're about to start school. Some of y'all are about to start school. I want this year to be about me doing everything I do for God at school, to say, Lord, I wanna bring you glory. I want to bring you the, the glory that you deserve. You know, the natural response to freedom is what? I believe it's gratitude. I believe that we're truly grateful whenever someone gives us freedom. Anyone should be thankful to hear a message about liberty. But I conclude the message with a slice from New Testament history recorded in Acts 14, 1 through 7. This is the very group he's writing to, okay? Early on, the reason the Galatian churches were confused about freedom in Christ was because a group of unbelievers had poisoned their minds against the brothers. But as I read this closing passage, just listen to the best response to the distortion of truth. You know what it is? The defense of truth. Just say the message again, say the message again. Listen to how it goes in Acts 1 to seven. Now at Iconium, this was in Galatia, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time Isn't that that interesting? That even though there was opposition, it says, you know, so they remained a long time. And then listen to this, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And then verse four, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. You see, both Jews and Gentiles, initially, they both were so grateful. Thank you, God. But then some stirred things up and said, no, can't be that easy. You gotta work for this. You got to do these things to earn God's favor. And so they said, no, you know what? They're saying we trust Christ. It's faith. So they said, what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to turn to force them. So they said, we're going to stone them. We're going to mistreat them. And so when they learned that they fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia and to the surrounding country. And what did they do there? Well, it says "And there, they continued to preach the gospel. So I thought it was so interesting that that's the response to distortions of the truth. You just defend the truth. But when I met Jesus Christ, I found out something. He can set you free. It's true, but you gotta know the truth. The one who knows the truth, that's when you are set free. And that's what the apostle Paul was saying. You Galatians, have you forgotten? There's only one way to freedom. It's found in the gospel, it's found in Christ. And so I encourage you, regardless of who may reject you, regardless of who may be resistant, you keep sharing the gospel of the truth. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, nobody's ever explained it to me. There are people who simply, they don't know the simple message of the gospel. Maybe that's you. That's why I'm gonna stand down here. I would love to pray with you and talk with you. We could make an appointment to meet later, but I want you to know that I want you to receive the freedom that I've received in Christ. So let's all stand together. I want us to pray and I want to extend this. We call it an invitation because it's an invitation on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ for you to find spiritual freedom in him. Lord, thank you so much for this time to gather together to worship you, you're certainly worthy, but also the time to look into your word. Lord, you're so wise. And all the things that you've said in your word, they're all true. And so God, guide us. Maybe there's someone here this morning and they don't know you yet. They've been trying so hard to gain favor. They've been trying so hard to be accepted by God. When all along, what they needed to do was to trust in what Jesus did for them on the cross. That he, was, he died in their place. That when they placed him in a tomb, he didn't deserve death. He deserved life. So, Father, you raised him from the dead, and that's why you changed people like Paul. You've changed lives like my life, but you're changing people's lives right here in Columbus. So, Lord, if there's someone here, let them know you can change their life, too. So let today be a victory day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.